What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Sheehan Show here on Shardog.com. My name is Sean Sheehan, and I'm absolutely delighted to be joined today by Brian Lacey to look ahead to Octagon 52. Brian, it's this This is a long time coming. We I, I spoke uh, a little bit about uh, about Octagon last year, and I covered a couple of the cards, and I made it kind of my New Year's resolution to cover more Octagon, to look into more Octagon, and uh, I'm delighted to have you on uh, here with me. Thanks very much. Happy New Year to you. Oh, welcome to the party, Sean. Welcome to the party. I appreciate it. No, it's, it's really good. And uh, yeah, I've got I've got to admit as well. Last year, you don't know about this, but I uh, I I I I lived a bit of my life as you, Sean, because I made a little joke with the MMA fan podcast lads. Uh, Pip, you got uh, Blake and uh, obviously Stu. And we used to do a thing where four of us would go on there. Now, I couldn't do it once, so they jumped you in. And in our little group, they kept saying how good you were and how amazing it was <laughs> and all but the I facts. That. <laughs> so it was a joke when I went back in. I <laughs> I joked and I put my name as yours, Sean Sheehan, and uh, uh, I forgot to change it. So I had many meetings after that where I'd have to explain the whole story that you are you and I am I. And, uh, and there we go, mate. I like I like that. I was I was wondering why I didn't get an invite back on that podcast, <laughs> but they, 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 I think they told you they found someone better, but they actually found someone better than me. So uh, <laughs> that's good to know. That's a, that's a good story. That's and one I will repeat to, to people, no doubt about it. Come here, let, let's get into Octagon because um, I, I I've like been trying to get into Octagon for a while because there has been. So many waves made, I suppose, and it's Octagon has has made itself impossible to ignore. You know, we have a lot of MMA, obviously, covering the UFC and Bellator and PFL and one championship, and there's some there's almost no room for more MMA. But when we're forced to uh, watch a product because it's become so good and has signed so many good fighters and is putting up so much money and everything like that. It's brilliant. It's best case scenario for the for the fans, for the media, for uh, the fighters as well as especially. Before we get into the card itself and break down this card, can you give us a little bit of background on Octagon? Obviously, this is 52 events, so Octagon's not, not a new promotion by any means, but where did Octagon start? Where's its main base? Just for maybe people who haven't seen Octagon before and who are wanting to get into it and have seen, like myself, some of the really good cards they've put on over the last while. Yeah, I, th- I think what you describe as, as getting caught by it and being unable to ignore it is exactly what happened to me because I was watching events and I watch a lot of fights. It's, uh, you, you know, then there's so much MMA, there's so much combat sports out there now. But I kept seeing this promotion pop up from Czech Republic, from Slovakia and full arenas, like 15, 20,000 people. And like the production looked good and the fights looked good. And then I knew uh, Attila Vey and I knew Carlos Vermola from the European, from Bellator, UFC scene. And that they fought on Octagon 15 and I was like I've got to watch it I've got to see what this is about so I stuck it on and it was amazing it caught me from the start and then I started to think there must be something about it are they cheap tickets so they what what do they do um so I dug into that a little bit and um the 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 way they've built their fan base is very unique I feel as far as promotions because they do these other projects like we did with the UK with Octagon Challenge UK and uh, England and Ireland uh, like their stage to the cage thing um, they, they they engage this audience which is wider than just your normal combat sports audience it's not just about blokes watching fighting so they do these projects these TV projects um, they get you hooked they get you invested in the fighters they tell the fighters stories and that is for me the the key to why we're so big and so successful because, and the, it's almost like the John Danaher thing. Why would you ignore 
you know, 75% of the, the, the potential audience by just doing it based on the same old promotion and the same type of way of promoting fights. So when you go to these Octagon events, you'll, you will see like boyfriends and girlfriends there, families there. I was at a press conference and I sat at the back because it was all in Czech and Slovak, but I was sat at the back and uh, in front of me, a full row of all the generations of a family came. So there was the granddad and grandma, the mum and the dad, and then the two kids. And they each took turns looking after the kids running around the, 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 the sort of the, the seating area. Um, but and they all had their own favorite fighter. They all stopped to watch or to listen to. And for me, that, that's the, that's the key as to why we get the different atmosphere. That's why the stadiums are selling out so well across Czech Republic, Slovakia. Now in Germany, it's insane what is going on in Germany. Um, so yeah, I think that's, that's the difference. And as far as where they've come from, it's, it is that TV background. Pavel and Andre are the owners. There's no financial backing. There's no Saudi money. There's no, you know, sort of company over the top of it feeding cash into it. Um, they've built it through, you know, good business, uh, taking big risks and then, you know, learning from the failures and building on the successes. So it's it's unique, it's different. And and I'm glad that it's, you know, starting to get the shine that it deserves because when you're there and the atmosphere, and I'm sure you've heard people talk about it or the fighters talk about walking out, it truly is something special. Yeah, well, without a shadow of it, I think like, when I interviewed uh, Paddy Hoolan uh, before Christmas, obviously he was involved with the, with the show that you were mentioning there. And, you know, the way he spoke about it, the, watching that show as well, you did a fantastic job in that, but the fighters did a fantastic job as well. It was like it was like an old school ultimate fighter and it really gets you into it. And I, I think you, you look at cards like that and you, you see obviously what KSW have done uh, as well. And, you you know, I, I did a podcast recently and I, I asked the kind of the question or we had the, the, the debate, like, can you be an MMA fan without watching the UFC? And I think places like KSW, places like Octagon prove that you can. You know, you talk about that family there. And, we, you know, we, we have that in every other sport. And it's funny, like in MMA, maybe we, we look at it as if it's something weird. Like, I'm sure there, there are fans in, uh, in the Czech Republic who have a favorite soccer team and wouldn't care about Man United or Liverpool, just like a Real Madrid fan wouldn't care about Man United or Liverpool or a Man United fan mightn't care about Real Madrid, you know, and that sort of thing. So I, I, I like, we have seen that down through the years, you know, with obviously with Japanese MMA, but with Japanese pro wrestling to American pro wrestling and stuff as well. And I think the more of that that actually happens, the better it is for MMA as a whole. Because we've seen, like, guys, obviously, you know, KSW's around a little bit longer in Octagon, but a similar thing will probably happen where guys have their whole career in Octagon because there's no need to move there because they're going to be earning a good amount of money. They're going to be massive stars in, you know, whichever country they, they end up fighting in. And you can have a genuine, you know, 10 to 12 to 15 year career in a place like that and it's it's really really good to have it so um i'm i'm glad that octagons are around for one anyway and i'm, I'm sure you are too to, to, to be involved in and be competent so, on this so world. am i my friend so am i <laughs> uh right let's get into uh octagon 52 and, and talk a little bit about it and i think another thing octagon have done recently and i've obviously i cover a lot of the, the european cards there's a lot of sharing of talent recently there's a lot of ex-cage warriors fighters on octagon there's a lot of ex-octagon fighters on cage wires and KSW and different places as well so you know very good for the fighters to have different options and in the main event here we have Jack Cartwright obviously the ex-cage wires champion against Jonas Magard 
talk to us a little bit about that fight because I, I, I'm I, I'm going to step in here in a second and maybe break down a little bit of the fight and maybe give my pick as well but I was looking at uh, uh, on YouTube and they did a little sit down between these two guys and there's a uh, to, to say there's a bit of needle here would, would be maybe a bit of an understatement where did that kind of start and, and uh, yeah, how, how did this turn into a blood feud almost coming into this one yeah so the uh, the fact is they do not like each other 100% there is bad blood between them um, I think for sure it's down to the fact that they train near each other. They've got, you know, friends, training partners that definitely know uh, know each of them. And also, you know, I think they just, they want to know that they're the best, especially in that weight class. So when, when they came together in the, in the cage in Manchester, I didn't expect it to go off like it did. What it's led to now is, you know, true animosity, uh, a lot of bad blood. And now, this is the other thing, the great thing about this fight, First of all, they're brilliant martial artists, but neither of them will crack under this pressure. Sometimes you see the, the talking and you see, you know, all the build up to a fight. It can affect one of the fighters, maybe both before they even enter the cage. These two are so solid as far as their mindset and as far as what they want. And, you know, when they turn up, they truly perform. So uh, it's, it's made it's made brilliant promotion. That's for sure. Yeah, 100%. Like. I think you look at both of them as well and their fighting styles, as you mentioned there, kind of play into that. Like, I've obviously watched uh, a, a lot of Jack Cartwright, and I'll talk about him in a second, but Jonas Nagard, you you watch him and you, like, you look at his record and you see, you know, he's 14, 14 and 6, but a lot of... You know, a lot of submissions, a lot of decisions where he's just putting guys under pressure, bringing them into deep water, pulling them down, either, you know, finishing them with submissions or just making it tough on guys. He's he's one of these guys, I think, where you look at him and, you know, you need to watch two or three fights of him before you really see what he is as a fighter because he outlasts people and he's he's... He's just such a tough guy, and that's the type of fighter you need against Jack Cartwright because Jack Cartwright, at his you know at his base, I suppose, is just a talent. You know, he's a talented boxer, a very talented wrestler, talented jiu-jitsu guy. He's the sort of guy you watch. You know, when he was obviously on the cage, or seen and now at Octagon as well. That it feels like give him another ten fights, and this guy is going to be really, really, really tough to beat because it's maybe the in between bits that he's still, you know, still, still young in his career, still learning, and still, you know, uh, prioritizing, I suppose, in in terms of of improvements. And if he is to get that, it's uh, uh, it, it's going to be tough for everyone. But McGard definitely has that ability. You know, obviously watching him and commentating on someone like McGard and and other fighters, we've another couple of fighters like that. How? How good is it to like sit there cage side and realize that okay, one guy or, or both guys in the fight might have great talent, might have great ability, but this kind of innate cardio and toughness and just willingness to pull a guy into a fight is what's winning a guy a fight and what's what taking the fight away from the other guy. It's yes, it's one of the you know the joys and like when you say talk, sitting cage side, cause you don't just see it, you feel it. Yeah, you feel that momentum yeah. switch. You feel. You know, Jonas realized, oh, he's on the back foot now. He might weather a storm and then suddenly you see that momentum move towards him. And um, with him as well, what is, what is great, I've called a lot of his fights. So from, you know, when he was coming into early pros all, all the way through um, and he has evolved 100%. You look at that record. Uh, I think he's got five Japanese neckties when he was coming up through the regional into into the European scene. Um, since then, so people classed him as like a submission guy, as this wrestler, as this strong bantamweight. His hands are so good. He fought Gustavo Lopez, ex-UFC fighter, 
pieced him up and finished him in the second round. So um, it's it's something spectacular. It's one of those things that you kind of you, you make sure you take in when you're calling these types of fights because they they're only going to happen once. And these two are on this trajectory, almost a collision course, where they're coming together in their prime. Um, and I feel like it's going to be. I feel. I feel like it could be an epic, epic fight between these two because the will is there. You know, the want for what will come next, what doors it will open. But skill set wise, it's uh, it's outstanding. I think it's an interesting one as well because you look at uh, the Felipe Lima fight, I suppose, from a guard, and the fact that you know Felipe was able to take him down, obviously a lot, and. Jack is a very good takedown artist as well, but you look at that fight, and even in the fifth round, he was still fighting to get up, still fighting to, you know, to survive in that fight and get the finish himself. And, you know, for Jack, a guy, as I said, still kind of young enough in his career, he's had a lot of first-round finishes. You know, he's, he's gone to a fifth round, obviously, and gone to a four-round a couple of times as well, so he's proven that. But still, if you're McGarrett, you you probably want to bring him to those deep waters and, and you know, and try to drown him in it. So this is one of those fights, maybe, if Carrick can get going early he's a great chance of, of, of winning the fight but if McGarrett can, can pull it and keep going late you know I think he has a great chance as well like I, I feel like if Cartwright uh, gets drawn into the talk and wants to just have a, a punch up here it might work against him a little bit if he can get those like that. Do, do you think he will be drawn into that or do you think he'll play it smart listen I think uh, Cartwright is yeah I think he is also somebody I've seen with Stan Magard's talking because Magard usually out talks everybody that when you see the press conference Cartwright is in many people's eyes you know won each of those exchanges whether it's to sit down or face to face but he says I just want to I'm going to come out I'm going to come swinging and that's what you kind of believe about Cartwright he is that throwback type of fighter um, his ground game is so good his wrestling and everything that he, he has total faith that if you know somebody tries to take him down he can stuff it or he can make them pay for trying to come in but I think the interesting thing as well is you look at the break he's had since that loss on the contenders. He's had that one fight in Manchester, Octagon 48, quick finish there. Um, is it enough cage time to be, you know, stepping in against somebody like, like Magad, who, like you said, when he gets to those deep waters, really thrives, really shines. So um, Cartwright can finish it at any minute. His hands are phenomenal. He's got that death touch. Um, but I think you're exactly right. I think it's going to be who can, well, who could, whether he can do that early or whether Magad can take it long. 100%. I, I put up a, a tweet the other night talking about guys who've gone to the Contender Series um, and who've come back to European MMA are basically getting fed to the Wolves, which is, you know, it, it, it might sound like it's, it's a negative thing or it might sound like it's a criticism, but it's what has to be done. When you get to that level and you come back, you're, you're going to be put in right at the very top level. We see that with Carr right here, but we also see it in the co-main event with Matea Pinaz, who's getting put right to the Wolves, like against Matthew Bonner, obviously, who's come over from Cage or as well, a former champion over there. I, I watched a bit of Matea Pinaz, and I, I've seen bits and pieces of him before, but this is the first time I've really sat down and, and analysed him, and he's such a good fighter he's my type of fighter now he's big and tall and lean with a lovely jab and he he's one of those guys who's tall but fights short but f which makes him fight longer if that makes sense he's almost crouched down and used that jab used it so well such a good combination boxer like he knocked out Dos Santos with a jab uh, in one of his recent fights as well you know he got, in the Dana White Contender Series he kind of got caught when it, you know someone the, the guy rushed in and kind of subbed him and you know 
Matthew Bonner I suppose he'd be looking to do that again you know he'd be looking to go in and maybe take him down and try to do that but also he's a guy who's improved his striking massively like in my opinion his his win over Matthias Frederick a few years ago was one of the biggest upsets one of the best wins in the European MMA scene in that time it was such a great win and you know he's been a guy who has taken out some of the best prospects uh, in the European scene for years and years now and this is a this is a fun matchup, but a very tough one. There's no easy matchups in Octagon, is there? And, uh, I, 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 like, I look at Panaz and I kind of think, um, this is a star. This is a guy who can be a champion. This is a guy who can who can run the promotion. And uh, you're not going in there against Bonner. He might, he, might, he might have a loss here, but it's such a great fight, isn't it? I'm really looking forward to this one. Well, what's your call on this one? I, I love it. I absolutely love it. And again, uh, you talk about Peñas, exactly that. He's got the star quality. He trains in uh, Czech Republic in a big gym called Ryan's MMA, but also over at All Stars. Um, he's fought in glory. He has got that, you know, that amazing striking range and power. Carlos Graco, Gracho was in, in with him, who's also held European WBC um, uh, titles in, in Thai boxing. And he fought him and he got dropped by a jab in the, I think it was less than 90 seconds he got finished by him. And when I spoke to him afterwards, he said, he's got, you know he's got long arms, you know he's got this range, he said, but the way he uses it, he said, he, 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 even though you feel you're, you're safe and you're at a good distance, the way he uses his range, he said, I, I've never felt anything like it. And I think that's the thing with Peñas. He's really brought it together. If you want to look at him as well, you often look at strikers that come over to MMA and do what he does. Like he just won against Magnor in 29 seconds in his last fight. Kind of, you know, puts people out, uses his hands. But jump to the Czech Kone fight. Jump and watch that if you want to see like the grit of a fighter. You want to see him as an MMA fighter against somebody who's held titles, who is... You know, still dangerous, still a, a decent um, talent in in the sport, and certainly experienced. Um, so, you know, Mate has got everything to be the star of Octagon, really like the star of Octagon. But Matthew Bonner, I feel like he's been underestimated so many times. I feel like people overlook him, and again, you, you kind of—I don't think you could—you can't quantify just how hard he works at this sport because it's his whole life, and he's beaten the likes of um, James Webb. Uh, who's McStanton? He's got a win over Matt Inman uh, when Inman was in his prime as well. That's you know that they're phenomenal wins. And on top of that, the question everyone's asking is, you know, how's he going to cope with the striking of Peñas? His twin brother, Matty Bonner's twin brother, is number two in the world at Thai boxing. That'll That's help. your main sparring partner. That's somebody. So everybody to me talks about Peñas, the finishes, the knockouts, the, that star quality. But I think Bonner is. I think he's so good everywhere that people underestimate certain facets of his game. I think he's 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 a real test for Peñas, and I think, you know, I'm I'm a fan of Bonner. I like him as a person. I like him as a fighter, and I feel like if he can get this win, then that's that relaunches him, you know, as far as uh, his MMA career. A hundred percent. It's it's a massive fight for both of them, really. A massive fight as well. Uh, Aaron Aby versus Chris Daniel. I really like like this fight. Chris Daniel. He's almost a, a throwback fighter. You know, he falls down and goes for heel hooks, and he's calm on the feet, and you know, he's good one dos and stuff like that. But he's a guy who's he's deceptively fast, and he's he's very good defensively. And the the only thing I think he's lacking almost is is that big double leg or that huge wrestling ability but he almost gives up the wrestling and 
brings lads down on top of him. So and he'll you know and he'll look him or go go for submissions from the bottom. And I love that style. And you know, Arne Abbey will be happy enough to do that with him. He'll ha- be happy enough to get on top and land some shots. Like he's a, a, a good striker as well. He kind of hops in and out, very stiff kicks and all uh, like that. But. I, I feel like this one is going to go to the ground. It's going to be a real battle between maybe the jiu-jitsu of Daniel and the wrestling of Abey. But, you know, the, the fight, I suppose, is secondary here when you have a story like Aaron Abey. It must be great for you commenting on him and for the, the promotion to have a guy like Aaron Abey. Very good fight, but what a story as well. Uh, the, sto- the story is, you know, is, is uh, again, when you talk about this sport, it's, it's what gets you to fall in love with fighters. It's what opens your eyes to in our sport what you know how you can share with people the role models you know people still have this perception of this sport people still think it's a certain type of person that what why they competes in it and a certain type of person that watches it and then you introduce him to Aaron Aby and you say this is this is the guy one of the most humble uh, beautiful human beings um, has done so much has come up against so much and is still smiling every step of the way and d- achieving great things like that last fight with um, Garcia that was the best he's ever looked physically um, strategically I mean even the, the the dominance he had in a number of those rounds and those positions even with the cut to keep pushing forward it was the best we've ever seen him um, Christopher Daniel is uh, I think I think could be almost a tougher challenge than Garcia because he is that, you know, sly martial artist. That, like you saw in his last, I don't know if you watched his last fight, but he, he, he basically pulled the guard and, and got the heel hook from yeah. setting up there. It was beautiful. And uh, that's what AB's got to be switched on for, for the entire fight. Um, I think Christopher Daniel is also bigger. I think he's stronger than Garcia. Certainly, as, as far as he looks, he looks like a big flyweight. And again, the flip side of Aaron Aby's um, fighting with the condition assisted fibrosis is he can't cut weight. Like he cannot put his body through that because the effect it could have. So he's only recently started cutting, you know, extra few pounds to to make that 125. Um, so I think size could be a, certainly a player in this. Um, but it's just a great fight and then Christopher Daniel coming over he competes in combat jiu-jitsu regularly as well he's one of these fighters that is always active he's always doing something and like you said he, he's a throwback um, but Aaron is firmly on the chase for the fairy tale ending he wants that Rocky 2 he wants a belt around his waist and you know trying to be unbiased but knowing the man and having him as a friend there's, there's, there, there'd be no greater you know, moment for for him, his family, his friends, everyone who's been through everything with him because he doesn't been through this on his own to see that gold belt wrapped around his waist at some point. Yeah, it'd be absolutely massive. And I suppose those are kind of the... the the three big fights for me but what, what else are you looking forward to on the undercard I suppose for me the, the Stuart Austin Palaz fight watching a bit of Adam Palaz an absolute beast a massive guy just throws everything to all of his shots but also the Irish guys in this card Dennis Frimpong Ar- Armand Herzig coming in there uh, coming, obviously coming off of the show as well you must have a little bit of a soft spot for them I think what, what, give, give us a quick rundown of the undercard and what, uh, what, what you're looking forward to on that Yes, certainly. I think the the rematch between Herseg and, uh, of course, Jake McHugh is, is great. That's that's getting run back. They've kept the social media stuff going. And I think, you know, they are both great guys. That series was nothing without the fighters that were in it. And they were all different types of personalities. They all brought their own story, their own journey. And these two wanted it. It's actually Armand that offered it back to Jake. So that, that, was, that was great. And now they're getting to do it. Dennis Frimpong is one of a kind. He is one of a kind. It was... It's, you know, what he's done for himself uh, is, 
he's great. And he's just being him, he's called his shots. He's, you know, when you talk like he does, a lot of people, when they, you know, even with that loss to George Staines, struggle to hold their head back high. But he'll never change and he should never change because it's, it's served him well and it's got him this fight. Shiroki's, this will be his 30th pro MMA fight. Shiroki's fought kickboxing, boxing, judo, jiu-jitsu and bare-knuckle boxing as well. So you talk about experience, there's a lot on Shiroki's side. But Dennis Frimpong is not to be underestimated. I think he is one hell of a puzzle for any fighter to solve. So that one I'm looking forward to particularly. Corey Fry versus Holzer as well. I think Corey Fry, the fantastic outing in Cologne, uh, beat Dennis Ilbay by armbar. Uh, this is the knockout artist getting the armbar finish. And it, it, was, it was a great moment for him coming up against 6-0 Dennis Holzer, who is a submission specialist. So for me, you know, that one is, is going to solidify Corey Fry in the division. Um, Shia Busev always brings the assassin army that'll be fun against Kexel so the undercard is stacked and I, I'll give a shout out as well I spent some time with the, the two young lads from the northeast that are on the card Dan Brainbridge and Nathan Hayward they are you know they, I, watched, I actually went to their last sparring session and it was phenomenal to watch I've seen those guys come up through the amateur ranks and to see where they are now and, and you know how excited they are for this opportunity and to be part of Octagon was uh, was was very special. So uh, from top to bottom, it should be fun, mate. Kicks off at a nice time as well for us MMA fans. We're not waiting up till 6 a.m. So 5 o'clock, you can sit there with your tea and biscuits, your beer, whatever you fancy. Your sherry. I reckon you're a sherry man, Sean. I don't know why. Whatever you give me, I'll drink it. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, take, I'll take a sherry off you. No problem. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So that's that's what's to look forward to, brother. <laughs> yeah, you you can't beat it early MMA January twenty seventh over in Newcastle. Tickets still available, I believe. So if you're in the area, check them out. It'll be a it'll be a great night of MMA. Brian, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you to everybody for tuning in for the Sheehan Show. My name is Sean Sheehan. I'll see you all next time.